Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I'll be talking with Darren Salmon, the CEO of the Richmond Hill Public Library, and Joshua Dyer, the Director of Content and Engagement. Welcome, Darren and Joshua. Hi, Marge. Stoked to be here. Thanks, Marge. Pleasure to meet you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you, both of you, for, uh, for joining me now. I'll start with Darren. Darren, can you tell us a little about yourself and how long have you been with RHPL? Uh, Yeah, so actually three years is coming up in July for me. Um, So it's been a great ride so far. Um, This is actually my first role in public libraries. I actually started out my career as a reporter and producer for CBC and for CTV, and then I made a pivot to the private sector where I worked in a bunch of different roles at Cineplex for about 12 years. And uh, I left Cineplex uh, three years ago as a senior vice president before coming here. Uh, So I bring to the library a background in content and marketing and innovation and business strategy and really an understanding of how industries can adapt to disruption from changes in technology and consumer behavior, which is something that libraries uh, around North America, around the world, really have been facing for the last number of years. Um, I'm also local to Richmond Hill, so this was a really exciting opportunity for me to give back to my community um, and for me to do something that uh, really lines up with my own personal values. Very good. Um, Interesting, uh, Derek. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, Joshua, do you want to top that? Uh, I don't don't really top that, (laughs) uh, but uh, maybe in some ways a similar journey. I've been with uh, the Richmond Hill Public Library for about a year and a half now, which always sort of, uh, it never sounds right when I say it out loud because it feels like we've done so much uh, just in the, in the last 18 months, uh, which is also exciting. Uh, but this is also my, my first role in, in a public library. Uh, I came uh, before for the previous six years, I was the director of marketing for a museum and museums are considered sort of, uh, sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, in a related sort of sector to, to, to libraries and, you know, do the, have some of the same focuses such as public programming and sort of both are sort of, you know, seen as institutions that uh, foster education outside of schools. And so I think there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, tie-ins between the two. Um, and, you know, one thing that museums are, are really good at is sort of creating experiences and experiential learning. And one of the things that I was uh, really excited about the prospect of coming to work for a, a public library is sort of bringing that same kind of sort of experiential learning to a public library environment. Hmm. Okay, that's also extremely interesting. Where you guys are th- come think, from? I so. think he talked. I think he talked me, Marge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so you've both hinted at this: that libraries are changing and do some lots of things. But how would you define what the mandate of a library is, or, or at least our library? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm glad you I'm glad you qualified it with our library because everything we do, <clears throat> yes, there is a library sector, a general public library sector, but everything we do is focused on our community. And uh and it's such an interesting question because 
there's this old notion that libraries are basically a book repository and that's it. And that's really an uh, outdated way of looking at us. So, uh, I, so I'm going to back up <clears throat> and I'm going to try to help you understand why, why we exist and what role we play in people's lives. So in a nutshell, uh, Richmond Hill Public Library is committed to helping each and every person in Richmond Hill improve their lives by helping them become more resilient. So, um, you know, we're here for and used by everybody in our community, and that crosses every age, life stage, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, everything. Uh, and that's one of our greatest strengths. You know, we really are here for every single person. It's also one of our biggest challenges, because if you do try to be everything to everybody, you risk, you know, not, not being as relevant as you can be to specific audiences. So when we were doing our last uh, strategic plan a couple of years ago, we wanted to anchor our purpose in a territory that would be meaningful to everyone, that, that everyone could, could rally around. And our key insight was that the one thing everyone has in common, that everyone in Richmond Hill has in common, is that change in all of our lives never stops. We all experience constant change in our personal lives and jobs and careers and family and friends and in the barrage of change that happens around us, you know, from technology or political, social, cultural events halfway around the world. And since we know that from different health indexes, that resilience is a key driver to improving quality of life, as a library system, our vision became to help everyone in our community develop the skills to confidently adapt to change. And so if you can get better at managing change, then those skills will help you improve your quality of life. So how do we do that? We become curators. We, we offer personalized collections and trusted collections of physical and digital resources, of hands-on programs and experiences, of diverse perspectives and ideas and spaces. Uh, and we do it all with no strings attached. <clears throat> We're not asking for data. We're not charging you anything. We're not forcing you to buy a coffee. Uh, and we offer that access and those opportunities to everyone, no matter who you are in the community. Uh, and really no other institution, private or public, does what we do. Uh, and, and, and that's a really exciting thing. Very good. Yeah, it's a, you said a lot there. Joshua, <laughs> do you want to add anything to what, uh, what Darren has to say for that? I don't, I don't have I don't much to add. I think I think Darren nailed it. So. Yeah, I think he did too. So excellent. So um, I'm going to ask you to describe what the library is to someone who we have four libraries here. Uh, hasn't been into a library for into one of our libraries. Maybe they're new to our community, or they haven't been since they were a little kid. Like, how do you describe our libraries? So <clears throat> the timing is interesting because I did meet someone the other day at our central branch. Uh, had to be around, I'd say, mid-50s, and he hadn't been in a library in years. And he just went on and on about how amazing it is and how he wished he'd taken advantage of the library earlier. Um, and if you haven't been in our libraries in a while, uh, a lot has changed. So uh, first of all, when you walk into our branches, there's there's a buzz, there's like an energy in the air because there are always activities happening at the library. Um, I was there a few weeks ago and we had uh, like all, all at the same time going on, we had a social media uh, creator program for teenagers that was in partnership with the CBC. We had a community group giving away different seeds for planting. We had a children's story time happening in English and Farsi. 
we had a community art gallery up. We had people studying. We had someone trying a 3D printer. You know, we had people just sitting around talking over coffee in a Danish. And really, like, there was just so much happening. We have cooking classes and graffiti workshops. And, um, you know, the library really is just not about shushing people or about books, you know. For sure, there are quiet zones for people to do what they need to do. But, you know, as community hubs, um, we're here for people in the community to gather, people with different beliefs and backgrounds and ideas, perspectives, where everyone can come together and exchange and connect and learn and discover all those things. So, um, and that doesn't even count the fact that we have digital only users. So, you know, you, you talk about visiting a branch. For us, we, we look at, yes, we have physical locations, but we also have digital locations and we have lots of people who only engage with us through our apps or websites where we have tons of online resources. Yeah, very good. Uh, it's a, I, especially during the pandemic, I really, really was thankful for your online audio books and such. That was great. And Amazing. Things. So yeah, uh, lots are there. Joshua, I think this question is for you, but it like how many books are there at do RHPL have and you know what else can you borrow well I, I love the way you asked this question because yes we have plenty of books uh, but I think even more interesting is the things that we have aside from books so in terms of books our collection has about 175,000 titles uh, that doesn't count for the you know multiple copies or duplicates we have of some of the more popular items and those are just physical books. And so I think uh, if we look at just the number of sort of physical books in our collection across the four branches, it's probably closer to 300,000 sort of physical books in total. Uh, but then if you look at the physical items that we have, so that's, you know, that's the books, but that's CDs and DVDs and Steam kits and magazines. And uh, one of the more newly, newly added, more popular items are video games. We have about like 450,000 sort of physical items overall that you can borrow from the Richmond Hill Public Library system. And then we also have, as Darren mentioned, sort of these digital only users. We have, you know, another about 45 or 50,000 ebooks and audiobooks folks can can listen to, uh, listen to or, or watch and enjoy. Uh, there's other sort of um, digital services or resources we have, uh, such as streaming services. I think uh, you mentioned that you're a user of, of, of Hoopla, and we have Freegal, which is a music uh, listening service. Just this week, uh, we're going to be launching a, a new resource called Canopy which is sort of similar to like a Netflix that'll be free for, you know, all, all, you know, residents in, in our community. Uh, and then we're also expanding even beyond sort of just these sort of items to, like, like I mentioned, you know, uh, bring this idea of experiential learning to, to libraries. And so we've just launched uh, our experience passes. And so now folks can come and you can check out uh, a, a pass to an Ontario provincial park. You can get a pass to the Aga Khan Museum. You can get a pass to the McMichael Canadian Art Gallery. Uh, so these are all things that are, you know, available at our, uh, at, at the Richmond Public Library. And, you know, this is something we're, we're really leaning into. And I don't know if you have a chance to check out the website this week, but uh, you might have seen that the web, there's a new website, some new branding there. And along as a part of that new branding, you know, we have our new tagline, which is yes at the library, which reinforces this idea that, Almost anything you think of, any challenge you're facing in life, uh, the library has something to help you along that journey. And so we just want people to, you know, whenever you're thinking of, you know, how do I get this new project started? 
we want the library to be the first thing you think of us. Yes, at the library, I, that's where I can get information to start this new project. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, quite amazing with what everything you have. And I was intimidated about like, how do I figure out how to get my audio books on my phone? And ooh, it was actually very easy. So it was, uh, I was ready to go into the library and have somebody help me, but it wasn't necessary. So it's good. And uh, one of you, other libraries from the film club. Okay, you figured this out. Okay, I got the. This is this is cool. There are so much to uh, take in. So definitely, it's extremely. Uh, you can have a very enriching life from uh, accessing the stuff at the library at no cost. So uh, yeah, with exactly. this high inflation rate and every you know many people are struggling. Yeah, uh, you can still have a good life, which is I think so so important. There's but one a, more. Uh... Yeah. One more thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't I, I didn't talk about because I'm very excited about it. But uh, we're also in uh, in the middle of working on launching a library of things. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with a, a library of things, but it's essentially, you know, it could be, you know, household technology. It could be camping equipment, sports equipment, uh, all the stuff that uh, you have around your home that you, uh, you know, you might not need you might have a need for on a daily or weekly basis or might not have storage for. Uh, we are in the middle of, of building out a library of things at, uh, at the Richmond Hill Public Library and just recently sent out a community survey and had over 200 respondents of, of people, you know, giving us their insight in terms of what kind of what kind of uh, items they would uh, be interested in, in lending from the library. Uh, interestingly enough, there seems to be a huge demand for pressure washers in the community of Richmond Hill. Uh, that was the, the number one thing people want to see. So I think uh, it's very likely you'll be able to you'll be able to to pick one of those up from your local library soon. Uh, but really, really excited about sort of you know we we're already talking about yeah. books and the things other than books, but I think uh, library of things and uh, is is a really exciting sort of addition to to our library system. Yeah, I th I think it's that's a great idea. I know other libraries. I believe the Toronto Library has uh, uh, doing that. Is that going to be this library things at all branches, or what are your plans there? We'll probably pilot it at at Central, um, uh, which is generally what we do is we pilot something at, at a certain location uh, and then look for opportunities to expand from there. Right. Okay. I did have a question about these audiobooks. Like I I go through the list and I see, mm, okay, I put a hold in this one and it's going to be like eight weeks and you've only got four copies or six copies of something. I'm thinking, why what how does that work like why is it why can't i get it right away like what's happening that that that's a that's a really good question and you know yeah i think some people uh think you know it's uh i'm i'm borrowing this audiobook for instance it's dig it's a digital only file uh why doesn't this work like like YouTube or Netflix, where, you know, a million people can watch or listen at once. And, uh, you know, unlike our physical books, our sort of our, our digital library uh, works differently. And so essentially, uh, when we purchase uh, a book, an ebook or audiobook for our collection, we are purchasing really a license or the rights to lend that book. Uh, and those licenses dictate all types of things. They dictate how many people can check out a copy at once. They dictate, you know, uh, how many times sometimes in some cases, depends on the license, how many times an item can be checked out. They dictate how long the library has the right to lend this item. 
And so, uh, and, and so the reason why you, you'll see things like, like hold times, even for digital books is often what we have is the license says that one person can check out one copy at one time okay. in most cases. And so that's how we end up. That's how we end up there. It is something that we have been looking at because uh, you're not the first. Uh, you're not the first customer of the Richmond Public Library to bring up like, why do I have? Why? Why am I waiting? You know, 14 days to get to get access to this book, and you know that's that's totally re- totally reasonable. So it's something we have been been working on uh, over the last uh, over the last uh, like four, four to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I when I got here just over a year ago, as I mentioned. One of the ways we've been doing this is uh, on specifically on Overdrive. So for our digital books, our eBooks, audiobook collection, uh, I think we had what they call a hold, uh, a hold to title ratio of twelve to one. So for every twelve holds, we buy a new copy. Uh, we've actually dropped that ratio down to five to one. So for every five holds, we're looking to get a new copy, and so that speeds up how that speeds up how quickly you get access to a book and brings in our wait times. And we've actually seen a seventeen percent decrease in wait times. Uh, in Q1 this year, just when we sort of started some of these, uh, some of these um, initiatives. And so it's something we're definitely working on. But that's sort of that's, that's how sort of the lending model works and why we end up with holds and queues for for items. Uh, But it's also something that we acknowledge that we want to do better. And we're taking action at the moment. Okay, thank you for explaining that. That's, I've been asking that question for a while. So appreciate being having it answered. And you, I think you answered it very well. Uh, Darren, there are some really cool things happening at the Oak Ridges branch. And I will admit, I have never gone up there. I'm close to the central. March. March. I need to. (laughs) Um, But I I keep hearing and I seeing online, there are some cool things happening up there. It's it's a beautiful building, but uh, there's audio, visual editing software, digital conversion of your photos, 3D printing, fabric printing. Okay. Darren, what have you created? <laughs> well, uh, I, I think if I told you my stories, you may be bored. I'm going to tell you my daughter's story, which okay. is far more exciting. <clears throat> um, so she's a, she's a university student, actually <clears throat> just graduating right now uh, in interior design. And so she had a final project uh, where she had to redesign a downtown outdoor space. Um, so as part of her process work, she actually spent a few days at the library 3D printing all of the elements of the space and then building models out of that to help her visualize and create the final designs. So she told me that that work saved her at least $100, if not more, um, and that she developed a new skill in 3D printing through those days that she could then use on her resume to apply for jobs, right? So it made her more technologically technologically relevant to the jobs that she's applying for. Um, and, you know, what I really love about the story also is my daughter, to be honest, hadn't really used the library much other than for study space, right? Mm-hmm. Until we started down the path of, you know, modernizing these products and services that we offer. So I think that's, I think that's a story that we're hearing more and more. And it's a story that I like to share because I think it's uh, indicative of a lot of people's experiences or a lot of Uh, people's potential experiences and speaks to what Josh was saying with our new tagline, yes, at the library, because when we tell those stories, they're surprising to people. Um, The other thing, well, uh, you know, and and Josh may be able to expand on it because you'll probably want to ask him the same question. But but the other thing is we're we're relooking right now at those 
what we call maker spaces, but but the technologies that we offer to the public right now, because we do have, have them in multiple branches, um, but we're actually re-looking at them right now. Um, uh, and we're going to be developing a new strategy around them because they sort of came in a little bit organically. And what we want to do is now bring it all together, have, have uh, a long-term strategy where we can grow technology in our spaces and then have those technologies continue to change and adapt to be used as both creator uh, for creator use as, as we have now, but also just for discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Like what are emerging technologies? If, if we're about resilience and we're about adapting to change and you hear about these things that are happening or these new technologies that are coming, you know, we want to be able to say, yeah, come check it out here. Come try it here. Come look at it here, whatever that may be. Mm, okay. I like that. Joshua, have you created anything cool? I was just about to say, Marge, you're really getting sort of the inside scoop on some things here because there's we're talking about some things that we <laughs> that we're actively working on, but 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 haven't uh, you know sort of uh, aren't necessarily public facing at the moment. But uh, one thing, so Darren's correct. We are uh, we are this summer going to be creating more of like a holistic strategy around sort of the maker spaces and all the technology the 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 library offers, um, and sort of. As a, as a part of that, we're also looking at launching like a digital media lab. And so something that's more like a audio video studio uh, for folks like yourself uh, in, in the community that might have a podcast, but might not have access to professional grade microphones or a sound treated room and stuff like that. And so that's one of the things we're looking to add to the sort of the mix of technologies that uh, that are available uh, and I've had the chance to actually, you know, give some of that some of that gear a, a test drive. Mm. Um, and so, as a part of you know preparing for the launch of our new brand, we had to take some photos of some of the new branded assets, and we got to pull out some of the new cameras and some of the new lighting gear. And mm. uh, really excited about you know making that an offer that's available to to the public and to the community. Okay, so you haven't three D printed a little cool Pac Man or anything or anything like that. I. I I haven't, but I should also mention that uh, 3D printers are, uh, they're available actually three of our branches. They're available at Oak Ridges, but also Richmond Green, and we have them at Central as well. Okay, so there's no excuse for you not making, trying out and making a <laughs> little true. desk That's true, yeah, there's no excuse for, for me or anyone else, but yeah. Right, okay. So there are, though, still spaces, you know, I want, you want to go study, you got an exam, you got to get away you do have those quiet spaces still, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, look, uh, offering those, uh, I will expand on that, though, because we do have those comfortable modern spaces for students to study. That's that's such a core part of what we offer. Um, but interestingly, you, you were talking about the pandemic before and how your behavior changed. The pandemic also changed the, the whole idea of working from home. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen a real jump in the number of people who use our space for remote work as well now. <clears throat> and we really offer a wide range of space for whatever kind of work you're doing or energy you're looking for. You know, we have quiet sections of tables. We have private bookable study rooms. We have tables by our coffee shop. So there's lots of space for people to either sit in groups or sit alone and have their Zoom calls or just, you know, hunker down with their uh, with their headphones on for hours. Um, we also try to make those spaces as convenient as possible. So 
you know, for example, during exam season, we'll offer extended study hours for students who want to study, you know, very late into the night, uh, or we've created private areas for people who need to pray at different hours during the day, um, if they're there all day. So, you know, one of the biggest feedback, uh, one of the biggest pieces of feedback we get from the community, though, is we actually don't have enough space. So we're, we're, pretty steadily full up and when we hear it all the time that people don't have enough space and we've done things like you know opening up meeting rooms and repurposing other spaces for studying and for work and we still can't keep up with demand so we're actually working on a new facilities master plan right now um uh, which means that like it's it's a report that's going to come out and it uh, basically gives us a path on how to adapt our facilities buildings to work better for the community and serve the community better. And one of the key findings so far has confirmed that we physically do not have enough space relative to the size of the community that we have. So that's something we do hope to address through this work. All right. Yes. Uh, the community is growing, so I'm not surprised that uh, you need more space. And you're know, talking mm-hmm. about community growth. There are a lot of people that have come here that are not uh, from other other places in the world. And uh, I believe that libraries are really important for those who are discovering Canada. Uh, it's They provide resources. They're comfortable, welcoming. Uh, could you sort of expand on that idea? I mean, I think it's 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 quite well known that uh, that libraries are often, you know, one of the one of the first stops for for newcomers to the country, um, you know, and and it, in many ways it makes sense. There's there's not a lot of places in our society where you can get free personalized assistance to help you learn and grow, and that's exactly what libraries offer. Uh, and so I think that you know that that element of sort of it's welcome to anyone. Uh, the vast majority of the services and offerings are free, and there's personal assistance. It's not a it's not a robot or a computer you're talking to. There's somebody there to to listen to you, to to try to understand, and to sort of set you down the right path. Um, and so I think you know for that reason, it makes it makes sense that that libraries are one of the first places that newcomers look to to orient themselves in a in a in a new environment. And so for for us, what that means is you know we offer things like uh, we have an English conversation cafe, and so that that's sort of a, a weekly meetup where people who are just learning English uh, can sort of practice their conversational skills with other sort of language learners. Um, we have things like. Uh, free tax clinics every tax season because i mean i've lived in canada for the majority of my life and i still struggle to navigate all the hoops that the cra has me jump through um and so you know you can only imagine how disorienting that might be for for a newcomer and so the, the free tax clinics are something that are you know i think are very popular with with uh with newcomers or or, or people with limited means um and even things like you, know, I mentioned the language, the the English English language conversation cafes, but even just other other resources like uh, we have Road to IELTS, which is sort of again to get your sort of like uh, qualifications in terms of learning the English language, uh, and things like your G one driver's test, like the library somewhere where you can get all the prep materials to get a driver's license once you get to Canada. And so, you know, these are all the types of offerings that uh, that we offer specifically about the Richmond Hill Public Library, uh, but also you know, why I think libraries are uh, one of the first places uh, newcomers look to. Yeah, very good, yeah. Uh, you, you When I do go in the library, you hear walking in the 
halls down the stairs, people talking all different languages. And you do have books and other services in different languages as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have about uh, we have books in about twenty different languages, and this is actually a, a huge project we're we're working on at the moment is to sort of uh, really review and, and assess the quality of our multilingual collection and, and materials. And so there's actually a lot of work uh, being done on that. Uh, one thing we're we'll also be doing is sort of uh, related to this project is launching a multicultural community advisory group. And so uh, we're calling on sort of, uh, you know, community members, folks who are really involved in the community who come from different backgrounds to, to work with us and provide insight in terms of what kind of materials the library should have that would, you know, be really helpful for, for their, for their communities. Um, And then I think Darren mentioned also that, uh, even programming in in different languages is something that we're starting to do. So we had a, we had a Farsi story time in March, and as a part of um, Asian Heritage Month, uh, just this month, uh, we had a Mandarin story time. And so, yeah, you know, uh, both uh, materials and programs in the languages that uh, people in our community speak and is most comfortable for them is something that we always want to be offering. Okay, no, very very good. I believe the diversity of our community is definitely one of our strengths. And uh, I think the library plays a role in making that happen. So I am not certain that people think of the library as offering some really good spaces to rent uh, for a whole variety of things, like gatherings, meetings. I was recently there with a, for a meeting that our MP had this big announcement a month back. I attended an indigenous event and I was eating cornbread at the library. Uh, you know, there's just so much that happens. Uh, so, um, you know, what is the situation with renting this uh, library space? I know there is something at the central library. Are there spaces to rent at all branches? Yeah, I mean, every at every branch, there is space that you can rent. Uh, and that's uh, whether you're a not-for-profit group, whether you are... <clears throat> personally just looking to host something for your family, friends, uh, for schools to rent, for private businesses to rent. You know, our spaces weren't, our spaces weren't originally designed for the modern needs of the community and our community has grown so much, you know, uh, Oak Ridge is, is new, but, uh, you know, Richvale is 40 years old, Central Library is 30 years old, right? Um, and we know that, um, space rental is in our strategic plan as an opportunity for us to, um, I'll say, re-energize. And so, you know, we we are certainly using the space uh, well now, you know, uh, whether it's for polling stations for voting, um, regional councillor uh, Godwin Chen just had a spring fair announcement uh, press conference at, uh, at the library you know, as you mentioned, MPs and PPs are using uh, MPP Jowry just had a roundtable on affordable housing there. Um, you know, uh, uh, Odeawin, uh, an indigenous group, hosts drumming workshops. So, you know, the spaces are definitely being used, but as part of our master planning work, um, we want to make sure that our bookable spaces are really modern, really attractive. Um not just for meetings, but also for life events like weddings. You know, if you're at Central Library and you're sort of on top of Central Library looking out, it is a gorgeous view down the hill. 
you know, and we've got all that green space and, you know, <clears throat> the, the library could be used to host events. Um, and so we recognize that that's, that's an opportunity and what we have to do is adapt our spaces. And so it's definitely in our project plan to do, um, uh, as well as, you know, in the meantime, you know, Josh, uh, as part of the new brand work that uh, he and his team have launched, which is uh, which is really amazing. And as part of the new marketing strategy that they're developing, you know, we're, we're going to be able to reach out into the community better and more often to actually make them aware of this. Because one of our, you know, I talked about our one of our biggest challenges before is that we offer so much uh, for so many people. Um, you know, we internally know it's great to have all these things, but if nobody knows about them, then you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't do anyone any good. <clears throat> so uh, we we have a concerted effort um, that's uh, that's being developed and starting to get actioned on uh, around actually reaching out into the community more to let everybody know about all the services that we have so people can take advantage of them. Okay, very good. And another space that I don't think enough people know about is the historical room. I'm a, you know, I enjoy history, a social history. And that space of there is like, wow, it's like walking uh, into a new world. Uh, so yeah, and then I realized that you can do a lot of genealogical research, particularly if you have uh, family history in the area. Uh, so yeah, do you ever go and visit that room very often? Uh, definitely. I mean, I've been for both uh, myself and Darren, our, our offices are right down the hall. And actually, one of our colleagues who uh, you know does a lot of work out of that room likes to say that he has the nicest office in the in the building because uh, as you I think you know it is quite a, a stately room um, and yet yeah, it's, it's very popular for ge geolo geological research um, uh, particularly for folks who have family not only in in York region but also even Durham and Peel regions our, our Helen Schwab mm -hmm. collection actually has family histories that for the, the all of those regions. Um, we have you know local newspapers that go back to 1857 um and there's a microfilm reader that you can sort of you know really really go back and dig deep if if you'd like um and and, and we're seeing some great use like uh, just there's a one of the local high school history uh teachers uh tasked her class with doing some local research and we had you know, you know dozens of, of of teens in there uh digging through the archives on on different projects so it's good to see to see it get put to use in that way but uh, one thing you might have actually seen recently in some of our branches, we had these displays about a about a, a new master plan the library is working on. And one thing you might have noticed in that master plan is that, you know, that local history room is actually brought out of that sort of tucked away space because it is it is a, a beautiful room, but it is quite tucked away. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that we look at in our master plan is, you know, how do we actually bring this more out into the open? So it's not something you have to sort of, you know, uh, really find, but it's sort of there for you to stumble upon and 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 discover. Uh, and then another thing that we're working on in terms of, you know, this sort of local history service that we provide is, you know, there is is looking at our local history as more of a living archive. And how do we sort of collect the stories of the folks who live in Richmond Hill now? So, you know, 20, 50 years from now, we'll have those accounts. Uh, and as we all know, you know, 
the demographics of Richmond Hill have changed immensely in the last 50 years. And, and the folks who live here now are not really well represented in that, in that collection as it is. And so that's something we really want to focus on and, and build up and be able to tell the stories of the folks who are here now and sort of, you know, 20, 50 years from now have, have a way for people to look back and have an account of that. Very good. Yeah. The libraries are changing. So, um, yeah. But are you like, you're open to other ideas for new programming? Like if, say, I wanted to do a talk on loons, for example. Uh, yeah. Is there like, do I submit a form? Like, how do you bring ideas forth to the library? Yeah, there is a form on our website uh, where you you can suggest a program and it can really be anything. And it can be just an idea that you would love to see the library explore. But in some cases, it's it's folks, maybe you all are a secret uh, specialist on loons and you want to offer the program at the library. Mm-hmm. You can off, also let us know and, and you know, and we'll our our. Uh, community engagement team will look through it and be in contact with you and figure out to to see if it's the you know in terms of scheduling and the right fit uh you know and uh you know because one of the things that we're always looking at in terms of programming is relevance what is relevant to folks in richmond hill uh, at the moment and you know if uh if it's something that uh, that is sort of relevant to the you know concerns or interests of folks in the community uh, happy to be ha- happy for the public library to be the place where people can come learn and discover that. Okay, very good. Okay, I'm still thinking about my loon idea. Okay, and yes, I'm an expert on loons. Okay, what about book suggestions? Like I've had, oh, I wish the library, I, you know, you, you heard about a book, you Google it, you go look in the library's website and it's not there. What do you do? Can you make a suggestion? Do you, yeah, as a re- it's- yeah. On the same place on the webpage, we also have a, a suggested purchase, uh, which is a form you fill out, and it you know let us know the book that you think we should we should carry, and we have a team that will review that, and as long as it meets some of the basic criteria, it will end up in our next in our next uh, order of acquisitions. Okay, so it does make sense to make suggestions to you. Okay, and is there like a budget? Mm-hmm. Like, how does this happen? Do you buy books ongoing or once a year? What happens? Uh, ongoing yeah it's ongoing. an ongoing it's an ongoing ongoing process because you know uh you know uh needs and interests and things like that change at any given time uh, i actually have a really interesting story on on this which is you know when the uh, russia ukraine war started um we were given notice i believe by the region that uh, that uh, a certain number of refugees from ukraine would be uh landing and settling in richmond hill and so we did a quick you know, uh, review of our collection and realized that we didn't have any Ukrainian language titles. And so we immediately found a vendor that carried books, both for kids and adults in Ukrainian, and purchased those so that they were ready for those newcomers in our in our community. Ooh, I like that story. No, I, it's, yeah. I'm often asked about um, book donations. If you had a whole, and you're moving, you're downsizing, your, your mother passed away and she had this incredible library. Do you accept library donations or book donations? Sorry. In general, aside from special circumstances, uh, we don't. It's just it, it's uh, the. I think the biggest thing is cataloging uh, for us to have. Like I mentioned, we have almost. 450,000 items. Uh, they all need to be catalogued. So they're 
searchable and findable within our collection. Uh, and that just becomes much more difficult with sort of uh, donated books because often the vendors we work with uh, send them to us so they're ready to be sort of entered into our catalog. And then it would also probably just be a lot of work for our librarians just digging through boxes of books and this is a good one, this one maybe not. Uh, so aside from special circumstances, uh, we, we generally don't uh, don't uh, accept sort of just community donations. Okay. But we do accept monetary donations. Uh, so if, you know, if, uh, you know, someone uh, or your family would like to bequeath something to the library for the services they provided uh, to your family, that's something we uh, are always happy to accept. Very good. Thank you. And I will put a plug in that I'm doing with the Richmond Hill United Church, a huge book uh, sale. So if you get any requests for donations, send them my way. Last year, we got 10,000 books. So it's a, there's a lot of books out there. So anyway, but people said, can't you give them the library? I said, I don't think they take them. And I guess that's, that is the answer. Okay. As well as books, you have lots of staff. How many staff are there at the library? Um, and it's not just librarians. Oh my goodness. No. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the structure of a library. <clears throat> uh, Cause a lot of people think a library is just filled with librarians when a librarian is qualified as uh, it, it's someone who has a degree basically in library sciences and library studies. And um, you know, we, we basically have a few areas of oversight in the library. So we have a customer experience area that looks after all the branches um, that interacts with uh, with uh, customers when they come with members when they come in. Uh, then we have in uh, Josh's area that oversees all of our offerings and marketing. Um, and then we have an area that uh, oversees digital and data and innovation and strategy. And then we have an administrative area. And, you know, as you can imagine, librarians and the skills they bring are super important uh, to how we develop our services. But as we've been modernizing our library services over the last few years, we've also shifted our approach to hiring. So we now draw from a lot of different skill sets and experiences, um, you know, people who can complement each other and, and offer specific expertise to design and, uh, you know, offer the community the best library services possible. So for example, we look for people with amazing customer experience skills as the first people you connect with when you walk into a branch. And those people may actually have skills or experience in the retail sector. Uh, we have library technicians who deliver programs to the community. We're bringing in people with expertise in digital and uh, data to help us uh, make more informed data-driven decisions. We have people in marketing and finance like any other organization. We're also about to launch a new service design practice, which is really exciting um, and it's forward thinking for a library. Uh, so that practice, people there will lead customer research so that we actually understand and can develop insights about the people in Richmond Hill and what their needs are and develop innovation and process improvement projects to ensure we're co-designing services with our users. We're not just sort of saying, hey, here's an idea, let's do it. We're actually connecting with our users and we're developing with them. Um, and, you know, uh, because community is at the heart of everything we do, you know, our board has six residents on it. Josh talked about the new multicultural community advisory group. So uh, a, a lot of thoughts and a lot of people go into making your local library tick every day. Well, okay. That was more of an answer than I thought for my quick, how many yeah. people work at the <laughs> library? Okay. Uh, anything else that you guys want to add? I mean, from my perspective, uh, I'm just 
really excited, Marge. I mean, we've been on this uh, journey of modernization for the last two and a half years or so. And uh, since then, you know, we've been recognized for our work by external organizations. Uh, we've seen engagement grow. We've seen membership grow. And we're really just, you know, uh, touching the surface here and, and hitting the ground. So, you know, uh, I hope I hope lots of people have an opportunity to come in for the first time, uh, to come back again, come back more often, uh, because you will be surprised by everything we offer. And, you know, I'm really glad, Marge, to hear you throughout this podcast talk about, you know, oh, I've done this and I was here and I was there because, you know, it's 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 a great resource. And, and once you start to look into all the things that are available for you, it doesn't mean you'll use everything at one time, but throughout, you know, throughout your life, as you grow, you need different things and the library will always be there and have something for you to tap into. Very good. Okay. Joshua? I mean, yeah, I would say the same, you know, uh, we're, we're constantly evolving. I'm excited about a lot of the new, uh, new, you know, offerings and services we have uh, coming down the pipeline, but uh, maybe somewhat selfishly, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the new brand. It's something that I've personally been working on for uh, a year and a half and, and uh, really proud of that work. And we have some uh, ads out in the community, which might be the first time this library has done sort of, uh, you know, proper advertising in the community. So you can see them on sort of some of the, the transit shelters or bus shelters uh, throughout Richmond Hill. And, you know, that is really, you know, meant to call back folks who are potentially like lapsed users who were using the library and its services and sort of, you know, life happens and they forgot that the that the value it brings to them. And uh, and also new users who might not have really thought of the library as a place that 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 has things for them, uh, which I always think is astonishing because the, the library has something for everyone. There's there's nobody out here that 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 doesn't have a need for something the library has to offer. So uh, really excited about that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I had someone tell me just this morning, geez, I was reluctant to go to the library because I know about 10 years ago, I lost a library book and I didn't want to have to pay the <laughs> fine. But they, she found out she didn't have, that was not an issue. And uh, she talked about how welcoming the staff was when they came in. And it was such a great oh, experience. Amazing. So uh, yeah, right. that was good. So I do like to end the podcast with a question for each of you, the same question. Name one thing you really like about this community. Darren? Yeah, I mean, besides the libraries, right, Marge? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I've lived here for almost 25 years. My kids have grown up here, seen a lot of change in the community. So uh, it's it's a special place for me. Um, it may sound a little bit corny, but I would say it's the it's the friends that we've made here uh, as a family. You know, uh, uh, we're fortunate to uh, have our children grow up in such a diverse community um, where, for the most part, people just want to get to know each other and learn from each other. And that's that's a pretty amazing thing, kind of considering everything going on around us in the world. Um, yeah. So I'd say I'd say it's the people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Joshua, what's your answer? I have a feeling mine might be a popular answer on this podcast, or maybe not, but it's the food. I, Richmond Hill has some <laughs> phenomenal food. Um, and, uh, you know, as a, as a Toronto resident, people like to talk about how Toronto has great food, but I really think it's actually the surrounding communities uh, in Toronto where you find some of the, some of the best food. Um, in particular, I mean, my sister-in-law is is Persian, and I used to live in California, just down the street from my brother and 
uh, in them and, uh, you know, used to be able to get some just incredible home-cooked uh, Persian meals, which I, I don't have that uh, luxury anymore. But whenever I'm in Richmond Hill, I tend to I tend to bring a little something home. And I'm also uh, of Jamaican descent and just up the street from Central, there's a Neal's Taste of the Islands. So I love to be able to pick up a little roti nearby. So I, I, I love to eat in Richmond Hill. Okay, I like that answer. And actually, too many people have not said that. So that thanks. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for giving a plug to Anil. He is a friend, so that's a very good as well. So, thank His you both. Of you. Is amazing. Truly. Yes. Okay. Uh, so thank you both of you for taking the time. We've had a great conversation, and uh, I hope to see you guys uh, at the library or around town soon, or at, or maybe at Anil's. So. <laughs> thanks, Mark. Perhaps. Thanks, March. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marj, M-A-R-J, at marjandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.